Welcome to another Friday and another edition of Speaking for Him. And here is your host, the one and only, our leader here in this studio, the great Andrew Gamson. Hello, Chad. It's great to be with you. And uh, that is actually a very appropriate opening because we're going to talk about today honoring the king. Remember a few months back we started a series about um, four keys to success in the Christian life. Well, we are on um, the fourth one today, and that is honoring the king. And so uh, Chad's going to open us up with our quote of the day. I am. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord, First Samuel 24, 6. All right, and this I thought was a good passage to open our show today because it's referring to David in his response to King Saul. Now, King Saul was the first king of Israel because the Israelites begged for a king. Um, God was trying to establish with them that he was their king, but they said, we want a king like all other nations. And so I often wonder... Um, was God, did God intend to, uh, continue it as a theocracy or was he planning to, to bring in, uh, a godly king at the right time? But for whatever reason, he gave them Saul and Saul did not work out. And so God said, I'm going to make David king. I'm going to have Samuel anoint David king. And that was in first Samuel 16, but there was a number of years between the time that David was anointed king and the time that he actually got to the throne. And culturally, he would have been justified in, in, uh, killing Saul or at least, um, doing certain things to impede Saul given the fact that he knew he was going to be king. But he had respect for Saul's office even though Saul often made some foolish mistakes. And I think we can learn a lot from that because Sometimes with our uh, leaders, both government and church, we can get a little disenfranchised, feel like they don't care about us, feel like they have um, done the wrong thing, but we are responsible to honor them because of the office they hold or the position they hold in our lives, not necessarily because we get along with them. So I thought that was a good um, way to kick off the show. Do you have any thoughts before we jump into our discussion points, Chad? No, actually, I don't. I was, I was thinking some things, but I'm not sure if they're related. All right. Well, um, we will jump into our first couple of discussion points here then. Um, I'll read um, the heading, and then Chad will read the verse. God placed our leaders over us. Let every soul be subject unto the high, higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God's Romans thirteen one. That's interesting because that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. But I said it's not related because, um, and this is going to kind of stir up a little political nonsense. Um, a lot of people, or Donald Trump's not my president. Um, are you an American? Check yes or no. Yes, Donald Trump's your president. Absolutely. Now, on the flip side... Eight years ago, Barack Obama was your president, if you liked him or not. And the reason why is right there clear in Scripture. Um, 
the powers that be are ordained of God. So the, we don't understand. We might not like Donald Trump. I personally don't like him, but I like him better than the alternative. But God has him there for a reason. And no matter what, we have to trust him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just wanted to say, too, that the imp- one of the interesting things about this verse is that Paul is writing to a people that are under a dictator. Right. We Caesar. have we have the opportunity to get out and vote. To be educated on the issues and then vote for the person that we think will be best in these roles. This year in 2018 we are electing a governor of the state of Michigan. Yes. We as people of Michigan get to make that choice. And so I would encourage you, rather than railing against the people that are already in office, go out and, and do your research. Look up the candidates and choose the one um, that you think is, is the best one for that. We're not going to sit here and tell you who to vote for. That's not what this is about. But what it is about I'll is... I'll tell them who to vote for. What it is about... Well, Chad will, <laughs> on, his per, on his personal social media, he will tell you who to vote for. So... Yeah, because uh, we know 100% of the people are elected are because people endorse them on Facebook. Well, that's just one of the many ways. But it's becoming more and more powerful because that's where people choose to spend the majority of their time. Right. Sadly. I I mean, I can cop to that myself, which is another show altogether. But the point being that Paul was writing this in the midst of a dictatorship and he still said... That the powers that be were ordained of God. And well, not this, just that. We're talking a dictator who had him imprisoned. And and tradition says later killed. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was beheaded, according to tradition, because because uh, Nero made him the fall guy for the fires in Rome, or, or one of the fall guys. He blamed the, the Christians for Rome burning, and he ultimately beheaded Paul. And these Nero's people... The believers among Nero's people are the people that he's writing to and said, he's basically saying Nero is ordained by God. Right. So respect him as much as you can. Now, now there's a ca- there's a huge caveat with that, and that is if they don't honor God and they give you an edict to, to do something that's against God, then you are honor-bound to go against it. Daniel in the Old Testament is a perfect example of this. He served under multiple godless rulers and yet he was continually getting promoted because god was with him and so we can learn from that okay um we should speak not evil of our leaders then then said paul i wist not brethren that he was the high priest for it is written thou shalt not speak evil of the rulers of thy people acts 23 5 for the context of this scripture paul called the high priest, not knowing he was the high priest, he called him a whitewashed wall, um, which is basically like, um, you know, saying that he's dense like a brick or whatever. And, uh, you know, he he royally insulted him, but he didn't realize his position, and he got slapped on the mouth for doing it. And I'm sure it wasn't a love tap. But then after that, he realized that it was the high priest and he apologized because he knew that God would not have him speak against the high priest, the leadership. That's interesting that you say that. But when I heard 
the term they called him a white walled leader from what i understand from that is a white wall is like a blank slate and you can put anything on a white wall and it will show through so to say somebody is like a white wall is to say that they are easily manipulated that's that's a good point too i didn't think about they're, that, that perspective if i can be bold they're stupid that's what it's basically yeah. calling them so yeah that's a good point but the point the greater point of the verse is I shouldn't call you that because you are a leader. And again, this is this is when Paul is like imprisoned. He's he's, he's uh, on trial basically, and he's still talking about respecting uh, his his leadership. So that's very important. I think in uh, today's uh, situations that that we can relate to. Let's narrow it down from the political, which is kind of obvious. Yeah. If you are a divorced parent. You don't speak bad of the child's mother to the child, no matter how tense the situation can be. You always speak positively of them because they are, in essence, the le- a leader over the children. Yeah, they're still they still have that position uh, of influence in the child's life. They're still part of the the family, even though the family is. Um, fractured to an extent in crisis and so and so that is so important because it's easy for one parent uh to play the kids against the other parent and that's not a good situation at all so definitely good insight there chad um so our next uh point is um your leaders will be accountable for how they lead. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as that, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And I, and I think, uh, this is, is largely talking about church leadership, but I also think it has to do with family leadership. Like for the, for the young people in our audience, you need to honor your parents and realize that they have a responsibility to bring you up. The Bible says in Ephesians, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so when they give you a directive, even though it doesn't seem pleasant, they're doing it because they care about you. They want the best for you. And, even in situations where it's less than ideal, by honoring, uh, and let's say, an unsaved parent, you, you that could be a catalyst to bring them uh, to faith That's in Christ. True. Because if you show by your submission to a degree to them uh, that your faith is real, that can speak volumes. So I just want to encourage you, and then and then for church leadership, of course. We, we need to be honoring to the leaders in our church because they uh, put a lot of effort and a lot of um, things, sometimes that we don't even see, that they um, put into um, leading the church and, and giving us the best, hopefully, church environment we can have. Now, of course, they are people, and I think that's kind of where we get hung up because we look for perfection in others even though we know we ourselves are not perfect. I know I've had that struggle. So I know it's a common human one. So just words of admonition to make sure that we um, look at it from the perspective of our leaders, 
will be accountable for how they lead us. So we need to, in essence, make it easier on them. And then we often do. And a, and a, and a, a side note to that, if you are a leader, you need to remember that you are accountable to God for those that he has placed under you. Um, and that is a big responsibility, and that is not something that should be taken lightly. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so important. A lot of times when we look at issues of leadership, we say, well, like when you're looking at the family structure, people say, well, if you say man is a leader, uh, the man is a leader in his home, you're just saying that men get to do whatever they want. But if you look at the if you look at the full context of the scripture, you find out that what the the head of the man is Christ. So if a husband is is having leadership over his family, he's ultimately responsible to Christ Himself for how He leads them. So it's not just a carte blanche to be like, okay, you can do whatever you want and and lead your family wherever you want. He is accountable to Christ for how He does that, and Christ led as a servant. He, uh, he led, he didn't, never asked us to do anything he wasn't willing to do. He says, take up your Christ cross and deny yourself and follow me. And what did he do? He took up his cross all the way to Calvary. So, yes, that is true. And if you think about it, and I heard a pastor teach this, okay, I mean, first of all, be submissive to your husband, wives, be submissive to your husband. This is one of those cases in the Bible where, you know, we learn that the scripture is breathed of God, but the verses and chapters are of man, and maybe you shouldn't have put the beginning of a chapter there, knowing people are going to stop. Because prior to wives be submissive to your husband, it says submit, submit to one, one to another in the fear of God. In the fear of God. And then it goes on and describes how a woman should submit. But when it goes further, he doesn't use the term submit. But basically, that's what it means. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. That's the manner of which you're supposed to submit. To take that a step further, yeah. Christ died mm-hmm. for the church. So you need to be willing to put down your life for your family. In addition to that, whose responsibility is greater? The husbands or the wives? Well, basically, if you look at that passage, there's like one verse for the wives and like seven or eight verses for the husbands. Correct, so correct. I think if we if we looked at it that way, then this whole oppressive submission argument would go out the window because exactly. that's totally not what it's talking about. Woman, get me a beer. Uh, no. no, that's not how it yeah, works, Yeah, exactly. I'm so, sorry. I'm head of the household. Well, no, not like that. You aren't. Exactly. And, you know, if if a man has that sacrificial view and is loving his wife that way, what wife isn't going to want to follow that? That's true. So, um, and then finally, kind of pigtail, uh, dovetailing on what we have already been talking about, we need to honor our church leaders. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and the doctrine. Um, I think we we often I discount the effort that it takes to go into the pulpit, especially Sunday after Sunday, and and feed the flock. I know as a minister myself, it can be really challenging to me. And I have to continually remind myself that I have to be fed. 
I have to be fed myself during the week in order to feed others. Right. And, and that can be a real challenge because, because just like anybody else, I can get busy with, with the mundane things of life or things that aren't that important. But when it comes right down to it, if I want to be effective for God, I have to know what he says and I have to study it, um, hard and I have to, be able to rightly divide the word of truth and not just have my opinion come out of my mouth. Because even as I come into the podcast every week to do these shows, my number one prayer is that what comes out of my mouth would be honoring to God. That the things that I say would be what he would have me say. Because what I have to say as a person, as Andrew Gomison, it's not that important. You know, if it was just about what I have to say, then you listening every week would not be that beneficial. But what God has to say is very important, and that's why speaking for him Amen. exists, because I I feel like it's a platform that God has given me to tell others the things that he has taught me and to also share other people's stories. Actually, some of my favorite episodes are when other people kind of take over and share their stories. So it's definitely... So not- you're saying I should take over right now? Uh well, well if, I'm taking over right now. You need to. Well, if, <laughs> if you understand what I meant by that, yes. I do actually. And and if I can piggyback on what you said, mentioning this podcast and how you are, you know, putting yourself out there and teaching, it brings up to me the point that there is no excuse with modern technology the way that it is, that you cannot be getting your spirit fed. There's no excuse for you. Oh, absolutely. You've got podcasts like this one. You've got, you know, download churches will offer their sermons on downloadable, you know, so you can listen to them driving in your car. Christian radio, big one, WJQ Rules, um, because we're here right now and JQ Rules, doesn't it? Yes. yes it's so a very good, it. it's a very good station. No, 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 it rules. Okay, JQ, JQ <laughs> but but the point being is, there's no excuse for a Christian to be out there, flop, you know, flopping around in the wind, um, not getting their spirit fed because there are so many tools available that we have today that you can utilize to feed your spirit. And for anyone that's that's fairly new to the podcast, maybe you just stumbled along, uh, stumbled on the website or whatever. <laughs> Also, you can know that um, my podcast feed, if you subscribe on iTunes, you will also get my sermon uploads because my sermon uploads go to the same stream. And so um, you will get my sermons if you subscribe to the podcast feed. So along with these podcast shows, you'll also get my um, Sunday morning sermons. So just, just um, an FYI about that. So I hope that this uh, this podcast has given you a lot to think about, a lot to pray about. I hope you've enjoyed this this series as we've um, talked about loving the brotherhood, honoring all men, fearing God, and honoring the King. You know, I said at the beginning of this series that a lot of times there's self help books galore in the in the bookstore, and even in the Christian bookstore, um, you can find a lot of them. But I like this um, particular list because it comes directly out of Scripture. And as we've delved into it, I think it's been very beneficial to think about 
these four things will will guarantee you success. Now, the important thing to remember as we wrap up is that uh, um, God's definition of success and our definition of success two totally different two totally different things. So it's not talking about having the two car garage or having the the huge bank account. I mean, I've worked in the nonprofit sector my whole life, and so I've naturally gravitated toward jobs that don't pay a whole lot. Um, but that's where God has called me, and He's always provided. Which is why I don't get paid. And and often, <laughs> and often I I get the biggest blessings, even material blessings, to my chagrin. I often get some of the biggest material blessings from God, even after, even right after I complain. It's amazing how I have stories of you know complaining to God about how how are you going to provide you know before I got my job, and there'd be a check in the mail that day. Wow. Nice. The day that I was complaining, and I'm like, "Oh Lord, you just, you just taught me a lesson right here because just humbled you. I was just complaining to you, and you already had it worked out. And uh, so God will do that, and He will show up for you. Like I said, we just we need to change the way we we think of those things. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, "Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And when I was a kid, I thought that meant. Well, that means I can have whatever I want if I delight myself in the Lord. But as I've grown to be an adult, I've realized that when you delight yourself in the Lord, He changes the things that delight you, because the things that the things that delight Him are the things that will delight you, because you've changed your worldview. Yes. And so I hope this gives you a lot to think about this week. That's all I have for today, and I hope that you'll continue to join us. And then you'll continue to tell your friends about this show because we want to reach more and more people as we go on. All right, that's all I have for now. And so I'll say, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 